And now, on with the show. Hey, Paul. Hey, Ron. Welcome to Random Tandem, the Double Feature Generator Podcast, Episode 4. Four. Woo! <laughs> you know, I thought about you the other day. I was in mm. a random store over here. Yeah. And they had a bunch of old action figures, mm-hmm. uh, all, all kinds, and they had a bunch of wrestling ones, and there was an Arn Anderson action figure, which I didn't even really? know they'd ever made those. Oh, man. But, Yeah. Anyway, episode four. Unrelated, if we could only communicate in wrestling gifs, gifs, I would be the happiest person <laughs> in the world. Well, I'll get on it. Yeah. I'll, I'll up my game. All right. Uh, episode four, our word for this week, which was generated at some point. We've had a few weeks off here because I recently moved from Milwaukee to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So Paul and I are no longer in the same geographical space no so paul had to come down so that we could record but yeah it just took a few weeks for us to kind of for me to get settled first of all and then to coordinate and whatnot but so now our home base is the upper midwest just generally generally we're taking over the country we are we are (laughs) you're next st louis i'm not you could not pay me to go to st louis i've been there twice and each time each time i think oh st louis yeah i could get and then something happens that I realize I don't like St. Louis. I once was walking through the park in St. Louis, like really late at at night, Mm -hmm. and uh, this guy approached me, and he asked me if I had any money. Not like in a robbery kind of way, but in like I need some food kind of way. And, you know, so I asked him, I was like, oh, do you need some food? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, there are some places right on the other side of the park, and I'm hungry. How about I just take you there? I'll buy you some food. Right. And he's like, okay, that sounds great. So we walk over there and we're just kind of chit-chatting. We get to the place. I think the guy's going to order like an appetizer, you know? (laughs) He ends up ordering like over $40 worth of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Which was fine because I was like traveling on this grant at the time. So I had like all this money that wasn't even mine that I needed to spend or I had to pay back. Sure. But I just thought like this guy really, I mean, he he took advantage of the situation. Not that I blame him. No. I didn't lay out any guidelines. I didn't tell him, okay, no. here's your budget. Right. But he just immediately went for like, I'll have two of everything. So, Which, you know, like that's fair. That's th- fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, but that's my St. So Louis. So may I, may I try a transition here to bring us back, back, on, uh, back on task? You can try. I would love to inquire more Ooh, about nice. this story. Yeah. But we should... We should move things along here. <laughs> so our word for this episode is inquiry or some form of inquiry. So to inquire or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as you know, if you've been listening to the show, basically we generate a word during a previous episode and then we come back with our picks for films that in some way relate to that word. And how we've been doing this is that we each kind of nominate a runner up. And then in the second half of the show, we each come up with our finalists. And so then we have a double feature centered around one word. Yes. And this week it's inquiry, or this episode it's inquiry. Mm -hmm. So Paul, do you want to start us off? What's your first kind of pick or your runner-up for the word inquiry? My my runner-up is a film that I I actually really like and I've seen a number of times. And it's, it's one of those films that when I see it on television, I stop and I watch the entire film. Okay. And that movie is Eight Men Out. 
Right. Uh, based on the, let me pull it up here. Um, John Sayles uh, directed the film and stars John Cusack, Christopher Lloyd, Charlie Sheen, D.B. Sweeney, um, Michael Lerner, a bunch of sort of 1980s mm-hmm. you know, stars and people have continued to, to uh, uh, be famous today. Um, it's based on Elliot Asinov's 1963 book, Eight Men Out, which explores <clears throat> the history of the 1919 World Series and the Black Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I picked it because one thing that I find when I was thinking about the word inquiry is when you do historical research, I mean, you're, you're sort of doing an inquiry of a, of a time. And, and this, and so here's a film about this, this very famous sporting event. And, and as well, there's an inquiry. Uh, in the film mm-hmm. of you know um, who, who did what and yeah yeah and uh, were they guilty of committing a con confidence right. scheme um and and so I, I think the film is actually really really charming in its own way and and on another podcast radio show a few years ago defunct <laughs> that um. There was an episode about sports, and I mentioned my love of this film uh-huh. on that on that podcast radio show, because in part I think it actually tries to present the it tries to be as authentic as it possibly can. Yeah, you know, one of my my be- major beefs with films about sports is the cliche of everyone cheering as loud as they can at every single moment, mm-hmm. and in this film these. Post World War One fans are they're jeering, they're sitting on their hands, they're right. not really engaged. It's not so they're not really perf- they're, like even the audience isn't really perform is performing as you would expect a, a, a major league baseball fan uh, fan base to to behave. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a really great it's a really great film in, in a lot of ways. Um, what's interesting too, and I was also thinking about inquiry is there's a really there have been some really great books about the Black Sox in the last couple of years uh, that have kind of kind of uh, revised our our understanding mm-hmm. of the Black Sox in that uh, these sort of films or Eight Men Out or these the the, the book and the, and the film Eight Men Out are really more mythology than anything else and what we actually know about who took the bribes and when uh, is really up for debate and um, so even like thinking about how we inquire about history is, you know, you know. Yeah, I'm in full teacher mode. I right know. Now. <laughs> I'm impressed. Now here's an essay, you assholes. <laughs> no, I do love that movie. I haven't yeah. seen it in years and years, but listening to you talk about it mm-hmm. and just kind of reflecting on my memories of it, um, I remember really liking it. And now I'm definitely motivated to go back and watch it again. Absolutely, because there there is a, a like a heart to that film too. In the sense where, you know, even though you had this, depending on how much you care about sports, you have this kind of tragic episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the film doesn't unfairly kind of vilify anybody. Absolutely. Like it comes from a place of, and this again is a connection to inquiry in a way, of trying to understand kind of people's motives and why people would do something like that. Right. Uh, which I, I just appreciate. You know, there's a kind of honesty with the film, even though, like you said, maybe now as more years have passed, we know more. Right. I feel like that film comes from a good place in the sense that, well, we're not just going to kind of build up these uh, athletes and tear them down and no. say all they care about was yeah. money. And even though maybe that's 
part of it to part some it, degree, yeah. but you know that the truth is more complicated I, than that. Absolutely, and it doesn't paint anyone really as a villain. I mean, right. you kind of understand everyone's motivation for mm-hmm. why Comiskey um, treats the players the way he does, or mm-hmm. why uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, played by D.B. Sweeney, is is hesitant but also willing to go along um, with this uh, with throwing the games against Cincinnati, right? Um, and yeah, there's some really fa- fine acting across the board. I mean, Christopher Lloyd is really, really great as one of the uh, you know uh, one of the the betters. And um, John Mul- Mul- is, uh, from the guy from Frasier, John Mulroney. Oh, the the dad from the, the, yeah, yeah, playing uh, Kit, Kit Car- uh, uh, the is, is the it Mahoney? Is he Mahoney or Mulroney? Oh, I think Mahoney. Something. Yeah, Mahoney. I know who I mean. But from, but from Second City here, yeah, yeah, or not Second City, um, Steppenwolf, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would recommend watching it. It's, no, that's a great pick. Yeah. Eight Men Out. And Paul and I didn't really discuss our picks beforehand, so this is kind of interesting. Not only do both of our films have something to do with the word inquiry, so that's something they have in common, but my pick, or my kind of uh, runner-up for inquiry, also features, and in my case stars, John Cusack. Really? I went... For inquiry with uh, high fidelity. I love high fidelity. So, since I just moved back to Chicago, I've been kind of rewatching my favorite Chicago movies. Yeah. And high fidelity is kind of one of the big Chicago movies, I sure. think, at this point. Sure. So, I was rewatching it the other night and I thought it was kind of uh, a perfect fit for what we're doing here. And for. The two people listening who have not seen High Fidelity, basically John Cusack plays this record store owner, and he's going through a breakup, and he's trying to understand what it is about him that kind of makes him susceptible to uh, constant breakups or never having this kind of lasting, fulfilling relationship. And so this is where the inquiry comes in. He goes back and tries to uh, meet up with and talk with former girlfriends of his who broke up with him in an effort to understand what it is about him that drove them away and so the whole film is kind of about that process for him um but and there's so much i don't know i mean i think i know some people that really hate this movie really yeah uh and i don't know why because as soon as i hear someone say they don't like it i just they're not my friend anymore i never talked to them this this is fair i'm just I'm, i'm kidding obviously but um no, you're not. I could see why someone wouldn't like this movie. It, like, for the same reason some people don't like Woody Allen movies, that they're all about this kind of one character that's so self-obsessed. Okay. yeah, I could see that. And for a I lot of people, that. that's kind of a turnoff. Sure. But I think there's enough going on around the main character in this film to kind of keep people who might otherwise not be interested to keep them kind of interested and, and engaged. I get so, that. I so get like that. the people that John Cusack works with at his record store, Jack Black, this is one of his, Jack Black's like early kind of... It's like his breakout yeah, sort of role. one of his first big films, mm-hmm. but he's kind of classic Jack Black in it. And what made that performance, I think, so amazing, especially at the time, was like you said, it was really one of his his breakout performances people didn't know who jack black was when they saw this movie and unless you watched mr show right 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 right. yeah and uh um but uh, like he's great in it um who else is in it of course joan cusack is in it because she's like in every john cusack movie for some reason and there's some really fan i think there's there's there are very few films that use cameos as effectively bruce bruce is in it bruce bruce Bruce, the boss the boss Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, yeah. 
Uh, Maybe a little more than a cameo. Yeah, but he's not credited in it. Oh, is he not? I don't think so. You might be right. Hmm. But I mean, he, so he's got kind of a, yeah, I would call it a little more than a cameo, but definitely not like a featured role. No. Um, but yeah, he's he's in one of the greatest scenes of the movie, though. Absolutely. Like that kind of fantasy scene Absolutely. where yeah. uh, John Cusack's character imagines Tim Robbins coming in. And basically, again, for people who haven't seen this movie, I already mentioned that John Cusack's going through this breakup. Mm-hmm. And basically, his ex-girlfriend goes on to have a relationship, quote-unquote relationship, with the Tim Robbins character, right. who was their former neighbor. And so John Cusack is not happy about this and has this kind of fantasy sequence uh, in which Tim Robbins comes into the record store and John Cusack's imagining like what he would do to him, kind of through speech but also action. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's hilarious. Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones is She's in it. Lisa Bonet is in it. Sarah oh, Gilbert right. from Roseanne is that's in right. it. Yeah. They're, oh, that's she dates the other employee. Yeah, the bald one. Right. Um, Lily Taylor is in it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there. I mean, it's a great. It's a great film uh, for a lot of reasons. But you know, the cast is amazing. Most of the performances are really good. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack is awesome. And I love it because it features Chicago, too. And I feel like it's one of those films... You know, I almost... I was basically, because I was watching all these Chicago movies over again, I was mm-hmm. trying to kind of work in as many as I could to what we were doing. Right. And uh, you know, I, at some point, I just kind of gave up on that because it was too contrived. But just because I'm talking about kind of, quote-unquote, authentic Chicago movies, I think that's one. Because it doesn't paint Chicago. At, Chicago's basically just in the backdrop there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't spend a lot of time kind of talking about, oh, how great is Chicago? Like, right. it, it just is a story that happens to be set in Chicago. Because the, the novel is set in London, I believe. Yeah, because who's that guy? Nick Hornby, yeah. right? Who wrote it? He's British. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I like that it's set in Chicago, and I think they do a good job of kind of presenting, quote-unquote, real Chicago uh, it's not like on Michigan Avenue or something, you know, it's right. out in the neighborhoods. And uh, another movie, anyway, that I, I like for similar reasons is that John Candy movie, Only the Lonely. Have you seen that one? I've never seen it. It's really good. I, I had heard of it a bunch of times, but never really went out of my way to watch it. And then I did uh, maybe about a month ago. But it's that's another good Chicago movie, too. Yeah. Okay, so we had Eight Men Out and High Fidelity as our runners-up. For inquiry, yeah, and I think that would make a fantastic double feature on its own. <laughs> Indeed, John Cusack. You got the John feature. Cusack double feature, mm-hmm. the Chicago double feature, the oh yeah, right, uh, yeah. Well, we should just stop now. <laughs> now we'll come back after a short break and give you our finalists, our double feature, inspired by the word inquiry. Yes. All right, Paul, we're back from a break. It's a good break. It's a good break. We got up and uh, actually we didn't get up. We just talked about Jared Hess movies we, yeah, like Nacho Libre and Gentleman Broncos, which have nothing at all to do with our theme for today, which is inquiry. Mm-hmm. But Paul was asking, so in that, he was inquiring. I was inquiring. So there we go. Indeed. All right. So yeah, we're dealing with the word inquiry today in the first half of the show, if you're just tuning in. 
the first half of the show. I tried to keep a straight face in that one. I couldn't. <laughs> For those of you just tuning in, uh, the two films we discussed in the first half of the show were High Fidelity and Eight Men Out. Mm-hmm. Both involve inquiry in some way. Mm-hmm. And then coincidentally, both have Chicago and, and John, John Cusack, Cusack in common. So that was, that was interesting. So now we're, we're here. This is the big time. Big time. two main picks for the double feature mm-hmm. around the word inquiry. Paul, do you want to go first? I will go first. Okay. Paul's pulling up his notes. <clears throat> my notes. By the way, <laughs> for all the listeners out there, my notes basically consist of the Wikipedia page <laughs> on my phone. <clears throat> so there we go. All right. So my, <laughs> my, my pick for inquiry is... I like to think, too, like, Paul, on the drive here, you just go to Wikipedia and you say, uh, or you type in, movies about inquiry, <laughs> and you just take the first one. And yeah. just read this is good. Page. We're good. We're good. We got this. <laughs> so I have, let me, let me preface this by saying, I have a, a fascination with Halle Berry movies. Halle Berry, yeah. Halle Berry. Because I, Halle Berry is a beautiful woman. Yeah. But mostly her films are utter garbage. And mostly true. And, <laughs> and how, how Miss Barry, I'm so sorry to have to say that out loud. But she's the one who picked these roles. This is true. This is true. She's talented. She really could be Absolutely. in very good movies. Yeah, but she's in horrible movies. Yeah. So I happened upon this movie called Perfect Stranger, directed by John Bookenkamp uh, from 2007. Oh, also, John Bookenkamp. Yeah. I have no idea who that is. The Incomparable. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, also starring Bruce Willis and Giovanni, Giovanni Ribisi. Ribisi, yeah. Ribisi. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> who I only, only ever, ever remember from Saving Private Ryan and no other films. Who, Giovanni Ribisi? Yeah. He was in a lot of movies. So in the late 90s when I was in high school, I worked in a video store. Mm-hmm. And I, that was kind of his like indie heyday. He was in a bunch oh, of like indie movies okay. from the 90s. All right. Um, I think he's a really good actor, actually. Okay. But yeah. yeah. So the the premise of this film. So you actually did watch this. I though. did watch okay. this one. I All didn't. Right. I didn't half-ass it. All right. Because that's my commitment to random tandem, folks. That's what he gives you. That's what I give you. Please the, donate the listener. This is going to become a PBS, like you know, a pledge drive. Hey. <laughs> Do you do you value the service we provide? <laughs> oh no, okay. No, all right. <laughs> we'll keep doing it anyway. There's a WX, uh, X, WXPN in Philadelphia is like U Penn's radio station. Uh-huh. I think I have that right. That doesn't sound right. But their pledge drives are very Philadelphia. It's, yeah, and they're basically <laughs> we could do this for free, but we don't want to. You cheapskates better. <laughs> Pony the money up. <laughs> you owe us. Do you like your cat? You want your cat to go by? <laughs> anyway, okay. so, so, what the hell's name this movie? Uh, Perfect Stranger is about Halle Berry plays an investigative reporter for. I hope it's a remake of Perfect Strangers, the sitcom from the eighties with Balky and with Larry. Balky Bartokamos <laughs> from. Uh, Island. Oh, yeah. Meepos. 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 Yeah. yeah. All right. No, it's not. He's on that wagon. It's right. like right. USA or Bust or right, whatever. Right, right, right. Actually, what, that, that was set in Chicago. That was. That yeah. was. Because they, uh, they have all the... Uh, yeah. 
yeah. than Chicago. Yeah. Anyway, so Perfect Stranger is uh, Halle Berry plays a investigative journalist for a New York Times like organization. Okay. She is fu- or she quits after her expose about a Republican senator having uh, a homosexual relationship with uh, with uh, I think a staffer or something is killed by the newspaper. So she starts freelancing and starts digging up all this information about a miss her missing friend okay. who was working for she had some was trying to not swindle but uh, blackmail <clears throat> a uh, fashion magnet played mm-hmm. by Bruce Willis. So she goes undercover with the help of Giovanni Ribisi, Jr. As I call, Gr as G-R. I call him. Uh, <clears throat> So she adopts this fake persona and she works as a secretary for Bruce Willis's, oh, okay, okay. Bruce Willis's organization. Yeah. And she starts to get suspicious about... This, this sounds like the worst movie ever Oh, made. oh you have no idea. <laughs> but also something I kind of do want to watch. You do want to watch this. Yeah. <clears throat> so she starts digging in and she yeah. starts to flirt with Bruce Willis and they have... I don't remember if they have a sexual relationship, but it's it's strongly implied. Yeah. But all the while, Gr yeah. is you know very because he is the best friend right, of Halle Berry, and yeah. he you know he's kind of looking out for her. He wants to be friends with benefits. You can right. tell. You can tell. But in no world would that happen. But in no world would that ever yeah. happen. Uh, and she starts getting suspicious. So there's this whole convoluted plot where she adopts a fake internet persona to trick Bruce Wellis into admitting somehow that he killed her best friend growing up. And there's all these convoluted... You think that's convoluted? So he's just going to divulge this information to some stranger on the internet? Again, now we talked last time about... And I've gotten some good feedback from people about our our drinking conversations. Oh, yeah. right. We're going to pair different adult beverages with... Different movies with our with our features, I think. Yeah, right, right. I would recommend as a a low caliber beer for Perfect Strangers because you want something to ingest a lot of because you're trying to figure out the plot uh-huh. as you move along. Okay, and I'm not throwing shade at Miller High Life or Paps Blue Ribbon here, but think economically here because you're going <laughs> to need a lot of alcohol to finish this film. See, I kind of went uh, a different direction, but for the same reason. I was thinking Everclear. That's what you need to drink while ooh, watching this movie. Because like the okay. sooner that you can turn your brain off sure. while watching that right, movie, right. I'm guessing, yeah. the better. Actually, I, I take back what I just said. Okay. I feel like Perfect Stranger is a great movie to watch when you're making like vodka-heavy mixed drinks. Yeah. Like, you know, daiquiris or margarita. I guess margarita isn't vodka-heavy, but the sort of frozen drinks. Okay. You should have like a whole dance party in your kitchen while pouring vodka into a mixer and then watch the film and just keep drinking as much as you possibly can. Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it for this film. So Perfect Stranger. Yeah. Uh, and then let's just kind of skip to the end here. I, Does she figure it out? Like, is there this kind of oh my God. We, fulfilling resolution? We have gone on the record as saying we are anti-spoiler. Yeah. Well, well I, we're, we're not. We're, we're, you're more anti-spoiler than I am, I'm more anti-spoiler than you. But to some extent, I, I, yeah, I, I I'm playing along. The ending is such a... Like, 
Yeah, it's one of those movies you think ends and actually oh. there's another half hour to the film. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I just saw, and not, not to go off on too much of a tangent here, but I just saw that film Tower. Do you know about this? No. It's a documentary about um, that the guy, the sniper from the tower at the University of Texas, Texas? at yeah. Austin. Okay, um, I, I have heard about this. Yeah, and I, I thought it was really well done, and it's actually not that long of a film. I think it's mm-hmm. actually under 90 minutes. It's like 80-something minutes. Mm-hmm. But like the last 10 minutes of it, you're just like, okay, this like they just tacked on 10 minutes to make this a gotcha. quote-unquote feature. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but overall, I think the film is really good and worth seeing. But yeah, there was a moment where clearly the film was over. Right. And then, oh, no, it's not. You know, and it just keeps going. Yeah. And I, not in any way that serves the film, I didn't think. No. No. I mean, this ties everything together. Okay. But it... <clears throat> but it's cheap. It's like, it's, a, it's like a trick. The, the entire movie is a trick. <laughs> yeah. And you'll be happy to be in, in a alcoholic... Stupor. Stupor. <laughs> finishing the film. So, Perfect Stranger. <laughs> Ringing I'm endorsement. I'm so sorry, Halle Berry. We should... Uh, Connect with her because you're managing our Twitter. I am. You should connect with her on the Twitter machine. Sure. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, see, I don't think she's really up to much these days. She's probably checking her Twitter. Have you seen the new movie that's coming out? No. Kidnap? She's, she's in it? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I haven't really been following oh, her at all. I don't know what's we need going to on. Wa- we need to watch the trailer for that. All right. We'll yeah. do that. All right. Um, so Perfect Stranger was Paul's, I was going to say top pick for Inquiry. Oh, it's top. <laughs> Okay, it's we'll tops, go with that baby. top pick. Yeah. So my pick for our main double feature inspired by the word inquiry is Hitchcock's Rear Window. And what? this is so unfair. I mean, now I'm angry <laughs> because I've I went to the depths, the lowest level, and you're going total highbrow. Yeah, but uh, I mean you're right, but it, <laughs> it's not. I didn't really do it intentionally because I didn't right. know what you'd picked no. going into this. No. Right. Uh, and I picked it because, I mean, I think in general we try to pick kind of fun movies. Sure. You know, like we don't try to, we're not trying to get like too serious or too um, kind of filmed. We're not smoking pipes here. No, no, no. Wearing blazers. We're not making this scholarly or anything. But I think that Rear Window is one of Hitchcock's kind of more fun movies in some ways. I mean, there's a lot of comedy in it, which isn't to say that his other films are devoid of that. There are a lot of his films that have humor as kind of a key element. Well, North by Northwest is, I think is the best example. Yeah. And uh, what's the other, what's the trouble with Harry? Like that one's hilarious. But Rear Window is one of those movies that I think a lot of people kind of look past nowadays, like the kids these days, you know, it's like, ah, it's Alfred Hitchcock. It's right. like Jimmy Stewart. Like, no way am I going to watch that. But I think if you're trying to encourage relatively younger people to watch these kind of classic films, one of the, the, the most kind of effective arguments you can make with them is, hey, it's funny, though. There's humor in it, you know? That's true. And that's one of the reasons I like this movie i you know it's not i mean i mean it's it, the whole movie is about a, a murder that takes place and that's where the inquiry comes in jimmy stewart's character is trying to figure out what had happened um but there's just so much humor in it that it never gets bogged down or feels too serious it helps i think a lot with like the pacing and the mood kind of in general but yeah the basic plot is jimmy stewart is a photographer he gets injured while taking photos at like a, a drag race or something, 
So he's basically holed up in his apartment with a broken leg sitting in a wheelchair. So he has nothing to do but look out his window at his, uh, like, you know, his neighbor's apartment buildings. And so basically in every window, in every different apartment, there's kind of like a different scene playing out over the course of the film. Like it's almost like every apartment has its own narrative that we kind of check in with periodically throughout the movie. And in one of those apartments, Jimmy Stewart sees what he thinks is a murder. And so that's what the movie becomes about for the most part is him trying to figure out what happened and convince other people that there actually was a murder. Right. Nobody believes him at first, but it's, I think it's great. It's one of those movies I try to rewatch, you know, every few years and never really get bored of it. Even when I know what's going to happen, you know, and I, I think this will be like the most, uh, obvious thing I say all episode but you know I think that's one of the the signs of a great film is that you could watch it fairly regularly and just constantly be surprised and impressed and for me this is one of those absolutely absolutely it was I I, I caught the end of it the other the other week I mean I've I've seen it a few times before but uh, and the pacing of it is I'm always impressed by Hitchcock's ability at, at, at pacing and and actually surprising you as as a viewer. I mean, we often talk about you know, Psycho as the great mm-hmm. you know shock to audiences because uh, because of who dies fairly early on mm-hmm. in in the film. But even even in this, I mean, these the moments of when Grace Kelly goes over to investigate right, the, right. the apartment, and there's the natural tension of the suspect pausing and coming back is she gonna get caught right right. and what's gonna happen if she does absolutely Um, yeah and i feel like great speaking of grace kelly i think she is amazing in this movie not only speaking of halle berry like not only is she just very easy to look at right but her acting in this movie i think is really I was going to say underappreciated, but I don't. I don't know. I haven't really read a lot of people you know, kind I, of I, I reviewing was, the film, complaining about it, or not recognizing yeah. her. But I think she's one of the standouts in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think her performance is is really really good. Right, and I think it's actually one of my my favorite last scene in all of all, in all of Hitchcock. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because I think there's so much to read from there. Mm-hmm. There, the two of them sitting in the apartment together. Yeah. Um, like, like they've reached an understanding because mm-hmm. that's the other element of this film is there's a kind of like will they won't they dynamic between um, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly's character like they're involved in a romantic relationship but Jimmy Stewart is kind of like the happy bachelor right and there's part of him <laughs> that is reluctant to commit and mm-hmm. he kind of comes up with all of these reasons or excuses for that um, but that you know that's kind of like the subplot is what's going to happen in their relationship and yeah. yeah by the end of the film they're not married but you have the sense that okay they kind of like they get each other now and they understand what the other needs and that you know this might head in that direction yeah also uh Thelma Ritter plays the nurse in the film oh, she's that's right. she's kind of like this brash but very wise uh <laughs> like a kind of supporting character who at first is very skeptical of uh, Jimmy Stewart and dismissive of his, you know, claims about the murder and whatnot. But, you know, uh, like everybody else in the film, like comes around to understand yeah. and 
is basically an accessory in trying to like solve this thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, you can get all kind of like uh, scholarly and highbrow about this film and and talk about what it says regarding voyeurism and the gaze, the gaze, and the act of actually viewing film. Because mm-hmm. I, I watched about like three minutes of this commentary track on the DVD version I have, and. I love DVD commentaries in general, but this one was just like, oh, God, just shut up, guy. Because right. it was all about like, well, you see how the blinds in the apartment are raising right now. That's Hitchcock uh, you know, reminding us that we're watching a film just like the theater curtains you know, will go up. And I was like, well, okay, I mean, there's, that's probably true. And, there's, and sure. obviously the film is about the gays and voyeurism mm-hmm. and stuff. But you don't have to get any of that to appreciate this movie. No. It's fun, it's funny, it's well-paced, like you said, Paul. It's uh, The set is amazing. The whole film takes place on one set, these apartments, um, which is kind of hard to explain, but if you if you see it, you'll understand what I mean. Um, just, I mean, it's so artfully done in an unpretentious kind of way. Absolutely. So for me, this film, Rear Window, represents, you know, uh, I don't want to overstate it, but like, the best cinema has to offer in terms wow. of like a rewarding film viewing experience. Just turns into Gene Shallot or something. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, no. I hate myself. Ah, uh, you should. You should. Yeah. I, I, I'm <laughs> no. so angry right now. Okay, so we've got Perfect Stranger <laughs> and Rear Window as this episode's double feature inspired by the word inquiry. And I think that would make actually a really good double feature, come to think of it. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you should be sober for Rear Window, and then when you watch Perfect Stranger. Although there's a lot of drinking in Rear Window. That's true. They're drinking a lot. Yeah. And I read on IMDb today that it's the only film in which, and this is according to IMDb, so it may or may not be correct, but this is the only film in which uh, Grace Kelly agreed to smoke cigarettes. That she huh. just like flat out refused in every other movie. She, I mean, not that she was in a lot of movies, but... right. So there you go. There's your trivia for for <laughs> Rear Window, Grace Kelly and Cigarettes. Isn't the guy that plays the piano in the mm-hmm. other apartment the guy that created uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks? That I don't know. I heard that somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Oh, we should mention Miss Torso. She's the woman that uh, is basically half naked the entire movie right. doing calisthenics. And yes ballerina moves Mm -hmm. and jimmy stewart is fantasizing about yeah which you know actually i read um i don't even know where i read this or heard this but someone pointed out how similar physically miss torso is to grace kelly's character how similar they look right uh and how that is kind of an interesting thing where um jimmy stewart is kind of fantasizing about and lusting over the woman who's, you know, literally out of reach when the one who's next to him and wants to be with him is the one that he's kind of like reluctant to give himself to, Mm -hmm. which I think says a lot about, I was going to say men specifically, but maybe people in general, like, you know, the grass is always greener kind of syndrome. You disagree? No, I, I'm, no I'm, not, okay. I'm not disagreeing at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I know I have that problem. This, this is me, like, psychoanalyzing myself. Is that, That's an aspect of the film that I guess I can identify with uh, or resonates with me, is, like, you have Grace Kelly next to you, right? She wants to marry you. Mm-hmm. There's 
no woman more beautiful in this character in particular is smart, is funny. Like there's nothing to dislike about her. Right. Yet he's staring out the window, you know, at this woman that he doesn't even know, but is trying to like convince himself like, oh no, she's the one. Ron is currently laying on a couch (laughs) and I'm just nodding and and doodling while I'm pretending to listen to the story. (laughs) You know, listeners, dear listeners, what Paul just said is encouraging me to encourage you to tune in next time. Oh! When our word will be, what is it, delicious? Delicious. Delicious, because at least one of my picks for next time, inspired by the word delicious, has to do with someone being psychoanalyzed and in therapy. Interesting. Yeah. So there's your teaser for next time. That's a teaser. Paul, let's wrap it up. All right. Any final words? Uh, no, follow us on Twitter. Well, yeah, what's our Twitter handle? Rantad, at RantadPod. R-A-N-T-A-N-P-O-D. Mm-hmm. And interact with Paul. Paul's been taking... How's that going, by the way? Not too bad. I, I yeah. After the election, I kind of... Oh, Jesus. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I've been... I've been having a real uh, complicated relationship with social media the last yeah. week or so. Yeah. But yeah, you know, eventually we'll, we'll get on the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hit us up, R-A-N-T-A-N-P-O-D. We're also on iTunes. People on podcasts always say uh, sus- subscribe and uh, like or rate. I yeah. think rating is what happens on it. I don't know why, but that's something you're supposed to say. So subscribe and rate on the iTunes. And we'll see you next time. Oh, Priscilla. We have to thank Priscilla. Priscilla, thank you for the word. The owner of the show. Yeah. Well, she was uh, delicious, though, right? She. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. That's yeah. right. Delicious. So next yeah. time, we'll tackle Priscilla's word. She gave us, as part of the Kickstarter, she, uh, she wanted us to tackle the word delicious. So we'll do that next time. Thank you, Priscilla, though, for your continuing support and encouragement. Yes. And I think that's about it, Paul. So right. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Take care, everybody. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.